Welcome to the Menopause Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Willis, author of Cookie Dough in the Dark and Vibrant Living with Tanya. Menopause is like going through puberty again. Your body is changing, your hormones are shifting, but instead of being a lost teenager, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent your life and take stock of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Gain wisdom, be empowered, and learn the strategic skills and the inner work that can be done simply so that the last half to third of your life is vibrant and amazing. Subscribe and share this podcast with your gal pals, and thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody. I am with my friend first, client second, Nancy. We just finished working out. We're sitting right next to each other. I've never done an in-person. It's always through Zoom. So hello, Nancy. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning. Literally, we're touching shoulders, everybody, and we're burning up hot because we just did like a trampoline weight workout. And I wanted to have Nancy on because how Nancy came to me, what is it now? Three years ago? 2018. 2018. Oh, that's longer. Maybe January 2019. Okay, somewhere in there. So that's from four years. Yeah. And um, Nancy came to me because she was in pain and um and she's not in pain anymore she just loves we just have so much fun working out together it's just part of her thing now so we're going to jump in and talk about um menopause and your journey and what's going on with you so take it away well the first thing i wanted to to talk about is meeting you because i look for healthcare professionals and uh, health and wellness providers who embody what they teach so i was with um, a medical doctor who didn't. But when I said, I want to continue on my journey of not having to take medication for my diabetes, she, she was telling me the reality. I will eventually have to take medication. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what I want to try first. And she pulled out your card. Mm -hmm. And that's how I found out about you. Um, and not being able to maintain my health first through diet and exercise and meditation, mindfulness, all those things are very important to me. Yes, they are. My mom had a really tough menopause. Mm -hmm. It seemed to last a very long time. She had extreme hot flashes and mood swings, and it went on for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so far, the only concern my husband has, I'm 56, mm -hmm. and the only concern my husband has um, with respect to menopausal or dementia-like symptoms is I'm losing my words. Mm -hmm. I can't always find the right word. Well, I reached out to my, so I have a naturopath. I had an osteopath. You kind of replaced the osteopath. <laughs> so I had plantar fasciitis. That was the pain that I was in. And my osteopath was back in Mississauga. She would assign exercises and I could not force myself to do them, yeah. especially the rolling. And I came to you and told, showed you the program that she had. And then you and I started doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is she doing? I need to be doing these exercises. But six weeks later, mm -hmm. what you explained and what I realized is you had broken down every exercise I was doing. And over that six week period, we rolled out the most painful parts. And six weeks into working with you, I could do every single exercise my osteopath had assigned to me. Yay! I saw her twice more mm -hmm. and she said, I'm going to discharge you. You don't need to see me anymore. Keep going to your trainer. <laughs> so I'm here for life. Because You're here for life. Yay. My life is so much better. And I did not realize I could keep 
getting improvements mm -hmm. in flexibility, in strength. Like I'm stronger than most of the men in my social circle because mm -hmm. I'm also younger than most of them <laughs> in their 60s and 70s. But that feels really, really good. Mm -hmm. No, so. it does. And you know what? Remember at the beginning, I would always say um, simple changes done over time. And I just kept saying it because a lot of times when people come to see me, they want fast results, right? They want the weight off or the pain away. And even though six weeks is pretty quickly, um, you know, and, and I think it was a year later, you're like, oh my God, Tanya, I finally get what you're saying. And now you look back a year ago, five years, four years ago, and you're like, I am a different person. Absolutely. I am a different person. And I know that we were talking on the trampoline today. I said, what are we going to talk about today? And so, um, you know, you were mentioning about your mom having dementia and stuff like this. And, and you're going to talk about a couple of things that you're doing to help prevent going down that road. But it is the awareness of what you need to do. And then how does it start to fit into my life? How can I make it flow? And then you have to kind of do the mental work. And then you start to, like, you lay the foundation, right? So you definitely have the exercise piece down now, right? We definitely have Absolutely. that done. You know, you're part of my membership. We personal train once a week. I, you know, you're you're on the screen with me a few times a week. Yay! I am working out six <laughs> days a week now, Tanya. Nice. I thought I would never do that. Now, and you're and enjoying it. And it's not long. Yeah, no, it's, it's not long. Like That's I, what we talk about. Yeah, I do my 45 minutes with you live. I do my two half hour classes with you on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, and I get on my elliptical for 20 minutes the other days, and I take one day off. Mm -hmm small change consistently over time mm -hmm. that has become my mantra with other people that I'm teaching different kinds of things to mm -hmm. just make one like don't because I used to take on every, oh I used to take on everything <laughs> and then I would burn out mm -hmm. one of the best things that you did for me is you taught me that exercise does not have to hurt mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. because right from the beginning you incorporated stretching out into the ends and, and doing the roller and doing the balls and all of those things into every one of our workouts. Mm -hmm. So it was only when we got a little bit more tense and we were doing like glutes and quads or whatever, or hamstrings that I would, I'd go home and say, Oh, Tanya, <laughs> but it only lasted a short time. And mm -hmm. I knew to get in an Epsom salt bath. Like mm -hmm. it has not been a painful four years. Yeah. Good. It's been about avoiding pain. And yet mm -hmm. I've gotten the strength that I wanted. You so know, what? a small change. I'm crazy. so glad you said that because I was actually talking about this yesterday where, you know, people haven't been active for a long time and then they'll come to me and I'll explain my process. And they're like, I'm just going to do a boot camp. It's faster. And I'm like, but you haven't been working out. And then they're like, but I really want to get the weight off. I want to get back in shape. I'm going to go do this boot camp. I'm like, okay, but I'm just telling you, you're probably going to end up hurting yourself or it's not going to give you the long-term results because you're going to do it. Anyway, a lot of those people come back to me and they're now they've hurt their shoulder, they've hurt their knee, they've hurt their ankle, and they did whatever they had to do. Most of them end up dropping out because it's too intense. And so you haven't built a lifestyle habit, which if we circle this back to the diabetes conversation and the Alzheimer's conversation, it's not what you do once, right? It's what you do repeatedly, consistently, day after day. So how do you make these habits stick? And, um, you know, this is, I mean, I'm going to toot my own horn here, but we have a lot of fun in my classes. We have a lot of fun yes. in my sessions, right? Like it is actually so much fun in classes that are half an hour, because I never teach really more than half an hour. Honest to goodness can feel like 10 minutes. Right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They right. Do. They're so funny. They're so fast. 
and we're in it, we get stuff done. Uh, and they're not they're not hard. We do some hard things, but um, it goes up and down. Anyway, the intensity back and forth mm-hmm. makes it so fun because like, and that's what's building my strength. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you taught me another really big key thing. Mm-hmm. Not going into deprivation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about diabetes and and uh, menopause and Alzheimer's right across the board is that alcohol is not our friend. Mm-hmm. So over the last two or three years, <laughs> we're drinking here. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> uh, well, I became a non-drinker on February 14th. And yes, you did. But I spent two years having social occasions with wine and without wine, mm-hmm. having uh, times when I drank to excess and times when I decided not to drink at all. And I realized I actually enjoy my life more. I enjoyed the social occasions more without the alcohol. I don't care that everybody else is drinking. I mostly drank because people were shoving alcohol at me. I didn't like not sleeping. I didn't like consuming calories in that way. There are mm-hmm. other things that are more important like a chocolate brownie, which I can have mm-hmm. as long as I'm exercising and as long as I have it with a meal. So mm-hmm. I have to have my protein. And if I have any sugar, have that within the same meal so that it doesn't impact my blood sugar. I mean, yeah. 2014, I was diagnosed with diabetes and I have not had to go on any medication except short period of time. And this was before I was diagnosed, actually, when I was uh, pregnant with my son in 2003, I had gestational. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I had to be on any medication. Mm-hmm. So, and my my blood sugars are getting better over time because mm-hmm. of the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with my yeah, just, back about okay. di- about the dementia. Yes. And um dementia and Alzheimer's yeah, but basically the dementia Alzheimer's key. And she said to me, the two largest factors are getting enough exercise mm-hmm. and not over drinking. Mm-hmm. And when I told her that I just decided to be a non-drinker, she was absolutely thrilled for me. Mm-hmm. Piece number three, there's a bunch of other factors, but the, the third biggest one that is by and large more than the others is making sure we socialize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact that I got to see you through these last several years and we stayed live mm-hmm. most of the time, you were in my bubble. I got to see you a couple of times a week, made a huge difference in my life Mm -hmm. through that lovely period of time we went through. I love seeing you on the screen with Zoom, but I'm so happy we see each other together once a week because it's not only 45 minutes of of exercise. We talk about these same topics. Yes, we do. And that's why I'm like, we have to, you know, do a podcast here. So let's circle around to the alcohol because, you know, it is, I want to just, again, talk about this process because we've talked about a lot. Because, you know, we have this, my mantra is, um, you know, we don't want to deprive and restrict ourselves. And I've done, I've done several podcast episodes on this. So what I talk about is, um, I cannot remember the episode right now, but initially, a lot of people, okay, and this has been a process for you, like, your naturopath didn't say it. And then the next day, you stop drinking, like it has been a trial and error practicing, practicing, that's what we call it practicing. And um, so Nancy absorbed this information, right? And then don't let me put words in your mouth, but then you started to become aware of how you were feeling. So you would drink and then you wouldn't sleep well. And then, so maybe the first time this happens, you're like, oh, that's just, that's not connected. But then it happens again and it happens again and it happens again. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, every time I drink, I don't sleep well. Yes. And not only that, it's not good for my brain and- um, you know, for where my vision of health and vibrancy is 
as I go into my 70s, 80s and beyond, right? And so- 60s, not even at 60s yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not even at 60s, 60s, 70s. So basically you take this information and fear is not a motivator for a lot of people. You know, people who have heart attacks, for example, less than 14% actually change any kind of significant habit. So, so change for a month and yeah, then they change back. Exactly. So it, this is one thing we really work on in our membership and, you know, when we're jumping on our trampoline here, but is how do we bring this into our life? So can you just kind of, because you've got a social element, you've got some environmental, like you have alcohol still in your house, right? Oh yeah. Right. My husband drinks most days. Like, yeah. So there's that temptation because a lot of people will say, if my husband didn't drink, I wouldn't drink like that, that the trigger, they see their, their husband drinking, it triggers them. They hadn't even thought about having any wine. Right. And then they're like, okay, I guess I'll have some wine. So I'd like you to kind of unpack that a little bit in regards to just kind of the process you've gone through, because again, it's not one and done. And sometimes you will go for a long time and then it, it doesn't happen. Oh, and just before I, you mentioned that I wanted to pull this back to the deprivation is that we've talked about this a lot, but is that you're not depriving yourself of alcohol. You are depriving yourself of health in the future. And that is the mindset flip to make. Absolutely. Right. So we have talked about this so yes. many times, like your reasons. Mm -hmm. So I had to like my reasons for drinking and I didn't. Why am I drinking this? Because my husband opened a bottle and he handed me a glass because I'm in a bubble bath and he brought me a glass. <laughs> you know, I've, I've now got him bringing me a glass of water. Mm -hmm. I found a sugar-free kombucha that I put in a wine glass. Mm -hmm. When we have people coming over, I pour that first. They come in. I'm already into what looks like a glass of white wine. It's worked really well for me. Mm -hmm. I do not feel deprived when I don't drink. That's a key point, a very, very key mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. And I seriously, I mean, I think it's been... A five or six year process. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really like my reasons for drinking. I, I actually changed a few things in my social life because I realized I was drinking because I didn't enjoy the social activity. Mm -hmm. So then rather than continuing mm -hmm. to do the social activity and drinking to make it feel better, I stopped the social activity and I've like up up leveled my social life. Mm -hmm. I love the people I'm with. I don't care if they're drinking or not. I love being actually. I love being around people who have had enough to drink to loosen up. But Tanya, you know, I'm loose. Oh, so like, am I. I'm like, <laughs> I have a friend who said, how can you get up on the dance floor? You really? haven't even had a drink yet. I, I like, get that all the time. I would rather dance without a drink. Yeah. I'm more coordinated. And, I, you know, I don't eat the calories, whatever. But so other people, they want to have a couple of drinks before they get up on the dance floor. I don't care. They're yeah. great to be with. Loosen yeah. up, have fun. You know what I, I, listen. I remember my dad owned a bar growing up um, and um, I danced a lot and people always thought I was either had drunk or had had drinks. And most of the time I had not, but you know what I learned? Like, I remember this at like, you know, 18, 19 is that it doesn't even matter if I drink or not, because they're going to think I drink anyway. Right. And so I was, I, I can still remember thinking that at that young age, that I don't need. And, and you know what? I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen me dance, but I can light up the dance floor and oh Just yeah, we can class. <laughs> and I love having no inhibition, but and I don't need alcohol to take me to that point. And I think part of that is because I realize that people think I've been drinking anyway, and, and I don't even care. 
But to your point, right? If you it, can be silly and it, have yes. fun with people. Yeah. If they've had a drink, even if you haven't, you can start being silly and fun because everybody's loose. It's, yeah. It just changes the atmosphere in the room. But I think that's part of that feeling that we're going after sometimes because a lot of people will, you know, drink, right? And and you and I have talked about this with eating. We can, we'll do a whole other podcast on that, but um, for a feeling, right? Yes. So how can if we, we can start to get the, the feeling, feeling before we start before we do it. So what's a feeling that you're after? And then how can you start to do that? Because I know the same thing. I'll put kombucha or bubbly or something in a wine glass. And it makes me feel a certain way rather than just having it in a tumbler. And I don't even like drinking wine out of a stemless glass or I, I like the wine glass. It gives me a feeling. So just try putting something different in your wine glass. Okay. So that's one of the things you did. I've used wine glasses, martini glasses, even a champagne mm, glass. The martini is pretty fun. <laughs> I loved what you said about it being a practice. Mm-hmm. That feeds in so much to like my yoga practice, but also to anything in life, that small change done over time. So I practiced not drinking mm-hmm. and I and how that felt feel for how it felt right, yeah. but, and I practiced drinking I practiced mm-hmm. drinking I practiced not drinking I practiced drinking I practiced not drinking I felt the difference I looked at my reasons I got to the point where I liked my reasons and what happened for me when I finally made the decision like oh I, yeah I just because I've been feeling it for a long time when I finally was like I just really don't want to do it anymore I don't want to have to think when I'm in a restaurant oh mm-hmm. is this thing I want a beer with my whatever or no, is it uh it's just always like soda water and lime is my go-to that's oh that was my practice mm-hmm. even when I when everybody was ordering drinks I would just order my soda water with lime because I hadn't made up my mind yet mm-hmm. and then if I, I decided why I wanted mm-hmm. something I would order it I would mm-hmm. order a cocktail or whatever if I really wanted it but I didn't want that reflex everybody's ordering beer I order a beer right that's so let's me. just stop there for a second because I think that's really important which goes into a technique that I teach PBA pause breathe ask yourself questions right and I do the exact same thing when everybody's ordering, I will typically say, you know what, I'm just going to have water for a moment and then I'll decide. And sometimes I never even get back to it, but sometimes it's feeling that pressure. And so instead of saying, um, no, I don't want anything, just saying the words, you know what, I'll just have a soda and lime or some water and then I'll get back to you can take that pressure off that you may feel because sometimes when you're going through change, there is some discomfort because some people might be like, oh, aren't you drinking tonight or these kind of things. So you're just kind of deflecting in the moment. Okay, carry on. That's why practicing was so important. Yes. I got so many people. There's So there's a lot of people who, if I'm not ordering a drink, won't order themselves. If I'm not having dessert, won't have it themselves. And I actually felt like I was depriving them mm-hmm. because of my good habits. What? <laughs> I'm depriving them of better health. Like I've noticed one of my girlfriends in particular is ordering wine less and is ordering dessert less simply because we're together. Mm-hmm. And she's happy about it. Mm-hmm. She wants to take some weight off. I'm not depriving her of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was eating more compulsively and not practicing this lack of deprivation, I used to feel sad if my friend with me wasn't having dessert because it meant I couldn't pick out. Mm. It was really better for me, but I wanted an eating buddy. So mm. I kind of don't have eating buddies in my life anymore. And I don't have drinking buddies. I have friends mm-hmm. and they are now because I practiced over time. They are used to sometimes she has a drink. Sometimes she doesn't have a drink. Shouldn't impact what I do. I'm going to do what I want. And that developed over time. 
And now nobody notices whether I have a drink. People mm-hmm. care way less about oh, what yeah. I'm doing than I ever thought they did. You know what? This takes me back when I was a personal trainer in Toronto. I used to work at the Adelaide Club. And, you know, people would say, you know, Tanya, I'm scared about what people think of me. And I said, honey, nobody's looking at you. They're looking at themselves in the mirror. And now listen, you might go into a gym or something or be in these situations and people might glance. But honestly, we are so self-absorbed that... <laughs> <laughs> that we are most of the time just thinking about ourselves. True. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. And, and if people are mm-hmm. concerned about me and what I'm doing, maybe they're not the people I want to have mm-hmm. in my life, right? Yeah. Unless it's in a, in a supportive way and they're concerned and they're like, I build a subculture around me of people who are supportive of what I'm doing. Right. And you are a key member. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know that. And motivator. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So anything else along the process? So we talked about practicing. So you went through that phase, which I love, which is what I say to people all the time, experiment, experiment, and then tap into, because another thing we talk a lot about is awareness. Like you, most of us are on these unconscious habit loops day after day, which is wonderful because our brain can't every time figure out, oh, I got to learn how to retie my shoelace or, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I have to brush my teeth. Like there's so many things we just do naturally. And when we find a why, right? It makes them easier. But there's these grooves at the beginning that require us to have more effort, a little more consciousness about it. And so I'd love that, you know, you practice with and without, because I'm kind of been doing the same thing. And then, you know, like I said, when you finally go, you know what, when I drink this alcohol, I just don't sleep well, or I'm a little more moody, or my, for me, my feet will itch, you know, I feel the inflammation in the gums in my mouth. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to feel that way anymore. But then I empower myself with not that I can't have it, but that I'm choosing not to feel those things. And I'm making an empowered choice. And now you've moved into that where you have decided. Now, let's just talk about um, projecting into the future, because I know you have a cruise coming up. Right. And so what kind of things have you decided for yourself coming up? So our cruise, we had a couple of cruises this year because everything kind of got jump, lumble, uh, jump, uh, compressed together. And so I've been on a cruise recently and I would have something to drink about every third day <laughs> on the days in between. There was this lovely head of the restaurant or whatever. He would bring me ginger tea because mm-hmm. I think he thought I was seasick and that's no. why I wasn't drinking. <laughs> Uh, this time I'm just going into it and I just feel so grateful of just no thank you and I'll drink my sparkling water and I'll ask for my lemon or my, my lime with it um, and it feels so good to have that decision made. Mm-hmm. This is a trip where I'm seeing many many cities in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be hungover. Right. I to be like I I want to be myself and enjoying every moment and I feel so well prepared this particular cruise line has lots of fresh vegetables and and salad bars and really great food so I can feed myself really well last time I was I I get affected by not having enough sunlight in the winter Uh, and this is the darkest winter in 80 years in our area yeah yeah it's been very gray so we haven't had as much sun and so the seasonal affective disorder symptoms hit me harder so even though I had a plan last time to work out, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So my promise to myself is the first day I'm on my ship on the ship is to get my 30 minutes of cardio in or my 20 minutes of cardio in and make sure I do that every second day. Okay. So let's back up the bus here for a second. So the last cruise, okay, 
Now, I had a plan. I couldn't do it. Okay. But here's the thing. You didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, no. I still ate well. Yeah. And I only drank a few. Yeah. Right. Right. And so instead of having a drink and you just throw up your arms and go, oh, that's, I've, I've had a drink. And you, you didn't have what I'm trying to say. You didn't have the all or nothing. Not at you all. You didn't have the all or nothing. You said, okay, I had a drink. And you reflected on it and said, oh, you know what, it, it, whatever reason it was, but now I'm, I'm actually asking myself some questions. And then you took a couple of days off and then you did it again. But see how this is still better than, than what could have happened, right? Oh, you could have been ago, like, yes. I drank every day. Yeah. I drank at dinner every night. Yeah. And I would often have a cocktail in the afternoon. Yeah. And it... It wasn't as fun. This time was like, this past time was more mm -hmm. fun. Even though I was kind of like, I had those winter blues. It was a January thing and we didn't go somewhere warm and sunny, which is crazy. Um, we went down to the uh, the Southern part of South America and we just hit some really bad weather. Mm -hmm. Like it was cloudy most days, the first week and a half. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pull out of it till the end when I got some sunshine. Okay, but look how important mood and environment is, right? It affects my ability to exercise. Right? So what happens maybe if it had been sunny, you might have done something differently, right? But understanding this, who knows? And I didn't, so I didn't get to the gym the way I promised myself, but I did do yoga a couple of times mm -hmm. in my room and I did get out on the walking track yeah. on the ship and I walked when I was out on tours and such. So I got some exercise, mm -hmm. just as not as much as I had planned. Mm -hmm. So looking but at- But you did what, not beat yourself up. I the point not. is you did not beat yourself up. You, I picked up and went, oh, it's yeah. a beautiful day. And I walked in the sunshine right. one day when we got into those sunnier yes. places. Not beating myself up is huge. It's mm -hmm. such a key. Mm -hmm. Having, um, so I used to, there's a, they used to say, or I don't know, I used to hear, get an exercise buddy, get an exercise buddy. That always backfired on me because my buddies would, would not go. Oh. So then if they weren't motivated, then you're not motivated. Right. So for me, what I have done is I sign up for classes and like, I tell you, I'm going to be on zoom Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. I'm accountable to you. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not physically. And I know if you're there or not, it doesn't impact you beyond <laughs> seeing me on the screen. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like, oh, I'm called away or whatever, I'll send you a text saying not going to make it kid needs me or whatever it mm -hmm. is, because that accountability piece really helps. Mm -hmm. I've made a promise to myself and I've made a promise. I've made a commitment to you and I wasn't as good keeping promises to myself. So when I sign up for an AquaFit class or I sign up for a yoga class or I sign up on Zoom with you or I sign up for personal training with you mm -hmm. or um, when I was doing the coaching classes on Monday with you, like I showed up every week mm -hmm. when I'm like, this is what I'm doing. When I involve another person who's expecting me, it seems to have a little more power. So I know that about mm -hmm. myself. It mm -hmm. helps me. You, listen, mm -hmm. most people aren't that way. That's why I've had a job for 30 years and I teach classes because, you know, given that if somebody doesn't have an appointment, most times people will find something else to do. That's So this is another thing where understanding that's what you need. That's what most of us need, which goes into that social component, right? It's it's more fun to do it with somebody else and have that support. And we talk before Zoom, we talk after Zoom and you show up and, and you feel good for you. And, you know, we have some laughs sometimes on, on Zoom, but yes. And you have taught me if I'm making a commitment to myself to put it in, in my calendar. calendar. <laughs> so make that commitment, put it in the calendar and show up. Yes. And so back to the dementia piece mm -hmm. with the socializing as well. Mm -hmm. I make sure when I, that I have enough social activity in my life and I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So phone is easier. One-on-one um, -on -one is certainly easier. 
Uh, Zoom is a little bit more. And then live in person with a group of people takes more out of me. Mm -hmm. So I know when I have a big group, I keep it short and I build in recovery time the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I keep enough social activity and I put it in my calendar and I, I show up. I learned back in the early 90s that our lives work in direct relationship to the num- to the com- not even the number, to the commitments we make and keep. Mm-hmm. So having a great life is I have commitments in the future. I have something to look forward to it. I'm actually going to keep those commitments. I, I trust my own word. If I put mm-hmm. it in my calendar, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there, mm-hmm. you know, unless, unless, you know, act of God, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, there. I, I always say to everybody, show me your calendar because, you know, people are like, I want to work out. I want to work out. I'm like, okay, well, let's put it in your calendar. Let's find this. Let's find the flow. And let's, you know, not even with working out, but all these things, if you want to do something, and then this is what I say, if you put it in your calendar, because it's something you want to do, then when that time shows up and you don't do it, then you have to ask yourself, okay, why didn't I follow through? And then all of this stuff just gives you information about the skills that you now need to work on to develop, right? So you have this big, I don't know what you just wrote down, no, four o'clock. <clears throat> you taught me, so I've recognized about myself, I need to work out before noon. Mm-hmm. And you taught me that one of the things you do is you make a commitment to yourself, whatever you're planning to do that day, you get it done before four, four o'clock. o'clock. Yeah. So right? if I say I'm going to work out, uh, you know, cause listen, I used to be a workoutaholic and I don't work out like I used to, because I've learned my menopausal body can't handle the workouts that I, the intensity. So now I have rolling, we have stretching. I have a very balanced program in our vibrant living membership and on our zoom classes weekly. And but the point is, is that I, I actually like moving my body every day, but I'm human. And so sometimes, um, you know, I will push it off. Right. And then I'll be like, Oh, it's three 30. I best, <laughs> I better lift those weights for five minutes. And I always tell people sometimes I only do five minutes. So it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing, but yes, I, for me, it works to have a cutoff time. And keeping that commitment to yourself, mm-hmm. even if it's only five minutes. Mm-hmm. Before I met you and started working out with you consistently, mm-hmm. I could be the most sedentary, still person mm-hmm. you'd ever met. Like I could, I can literally get up in the morning and go into a chair and meditate and watch TV and like basically not get in more than 30 steps in a day. But do you know that's how your brain wants to, your brain is like that. You are, If you go back to the stone age, uh, we are lazy. Like we want to conserve energy. So if you look at the couch and you look at your weight, nine times, 9.5 times out of 10, you're going to pick the couch, right? And that's yeah. just how we're wired. So I think again, when we understand that it's not because you're lazy, it's not because you're lacking motivation. It's because there's other skills that you need to put in place. And there's also what we're talking about here is Nancy's really wanting to thrive in her menopausal journey and, you know, avoid any Alzheimer's um, dementia. And she knows the importance of exercise. So it's very important for you and for me. Like, I always say to people, do you think, like, I'm human. And just because I'm in (laughs) this health world, I'm still human at the core. But my bigger goals, like you said, of I want to sleep well. And I know that if I drink alcohol and eat dessert, 
I do not sleep well. Like that is proven over and over and over again in me. So I now have to make choices. So I always say I have to put on my adult pants, my big girl pants, and I can't have it like I was a teenager anymore. And if you choose to keep doing things over and over again, like you're not going to get different results. So you have to decide what's important to you. And, and having this why is really important to you because you saw what your mom went through and you're like, I am not. Listen, we, you know, people say to me, just because you're happy, Tanya, doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But what I do know is that I have made the effort and the choices to better decrease my odds in the future. And that's all I can do. And you have created incredible resilience mm -hmm. in yourself and in your clientele. Mm -hmm. Like <clears throat> I am resilient. If I hurt myself, if I haven't, like we have someone who was injured and is recovering from oh, yeah. that and is like using your classes to strengthen it. <clears throat> it's crazy what resilience can do for us. Mm -hmm. Exercise, eating well, gives us such a strong foundation to come back from any of those bumps mm -hmm. in the road. You've taught me about environment. Mm -hmm. So my, I like I have a coming to see Tanya bag. I have a blocking mm -hmm. bag, blocking mm -hmm. and balls. They go, they go back and forth to the cottage with me. So I've got my balls and my blocks. I could do that wherever. I've got a travel yoga mat now. Mm -hmm. I have a bag that I take when I go swimming. I have a bag that I take when I go to yoga. I have areas of my house set up and we talked about this. I don't mm -hmm. use my trampoline at home because I don't want to use it upstairs where it affects the roof, mm -hmm. the, the ceiling of the house. And it's not conducive in the area that I have to do it. I have to pull things out. I have to move things. Mm -hmm. So I would need to set up my environment differently and have a system in place to support that habit. Mm -hmm. I have my Google. It goes off the alarm 10 minutes before your class every class I'm committed to go to doesn't go off Saturday mornings. I only do that one if I'm actually awake. Um, the 8.30, the class is at 8.30. I don't teach anything early mornings. <laughs> oh, well, oh yes. Sorry. And I'm it's, supposed to get up at eight. That's yeah. one of the, that's one of the things that helps with, um, uh, seasonal affective disorder, I think is the reason that my natural path said you need to be getting up at eight o'clock mm -hmm. to get your circadian rhythm going. Mm -hmm. I mean, hormones, circadian rhythm, all of these different systems, our bodies. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to mention about the Alzheimer's dementia menopause connection. Mm -hmm. I think I said earlier about losing my words. Mm -hmm. My naturopath explained to me that that may not have anything to do with dementia or Alzheimer's, that as my estrogen levels drop, as I approach menopause, because I'm still just approaching, um, it, it, uh, our brains use estrogen and particularly for word retrieval. So the body's dropping in estrogen and it gets recruited to where it's needed. And that word retrieval piece sort of slows down. So she said, I might regain some of that mm -hmm. ability because it's always been really important to me to choose the proper word. Um, and my, my husband, it's very important to him. So I practice, mm -hmm. like I will pause in sentences and try to find that exact word um, because it's important to him. I used to just talk too fast and only do half sentences. And now I'm just, it's kind of one of those mind um developing your mind mm -hmm. games practice it's a practice practice, yeah. practice speaking in full sentences practice pulling out the word you want or at least you know and it's it's funny in my age group women um we will help one another find that word by describing that it's you know at that restaurant at that place that we went to on the friday that thing i had <laughs> oh yeah spinach salad yeah <laughs> you know, like it's just it's not only me no it feels no. really good yeah um but yeah 
So, so you know what? The thing is, you are right about the estrogen dropping. Again, I'm not a hormone expert, but I have read this and that it comes back, even though as we do go through the menopausal process, we are, um, you know, getting less and less estrogen in our body. It said that we still have some, but it's just not uh, in relation to what it was. It's much, much less. But there, there are certain things like word games, right? Like recall. And, you know, one of the things I heard is, not always using Google if we can't say we're trying to think of an actor's name or something, or it, it's really trying to dig, not just give in to looking it up, but really be like, where was I? What was I doing? All of these kind of things and creating these pictures. And these sound really small and simple, but they actually are building those neural connections in our in our brain. Yes. And then also, I don't know if your naturopath talks about omegas, but you and I have talked about omegas because this is one thing that I think really helped me years ago, especially when this whole no fat, low fat craze was going on, which is one of the worst diet experiments um, that happened. But our cells are like big, juicy grapes. Okay. And think of a big, juicy grape and it's got oil on the outside and you rub them together. And when you rub them together, it's smooth and they can, they can communicate well. Okay. Now, as we age and we don't, move our bodies we don't uh, socialize we don't have a proper diet which many of us are lacking in micronutrients and some pretty basic things our grapes shrivel to raisins okay and they're losing hydration they're losing connection you try rubbing them together and now it's bumpy and this to me because all we are everybody is cells that's it we're just cellular beings we have trillions in our body and I, like one of the things that really lit me up probably 15 years ago was I am just cells and I want to keep my cells juicy. And what are some things that I can do to keep myself juicy? Well, I can have water. I can have my omegas. I can make sure I'm eating more micronutrition in my diet. I can eat more vegetables. And I didn't do everything overnight. And this is kind of what we've been talking about. I did the baby steps that now when I look back in my life 15 years ago, I am a different person. I am much healthier, much calmer, and all of these kind of things. So it's really that process, but it's really for me that cellular thing between the grapes and the raisins is so powerful to me. Because when I make choices, listen, everybody, I I drink, I you know, eat sweets, I do things that aren't great for my body. So, but I've definitely trended towards being more of a grape than a raisin. I'm going to use that. <laughs> and moderation. So my mm -hmm. naturopath has, uh, so we started talking nutrition uh, when I met her about mm -hmm. 16 years ago. And yes, she immediately put me on the omegas mm -hmm. um, and did absolutely talk about low fat is not the way to go. No. She oh. wants me actually eating high fat yogurt. Mm -hmm. Like So I eat plain Greek yogurt at least 5% milk fat mm -hmm. because for some reason especially with the diabetes um it i don't know the way it's, it's digested or what have you so she does not want me having low fat mm -hmm. um dairy products in particular she doesn't want me having a lot of dairy product but anything in moderation so she has a 90 10 rule mm -hmm. just make sure you're eating this way 90 percent of the time and i have to say knowing what to do and actually doing it yeah. are two different things yes they are so dietary has been a practice, a mm -hmm. practice, a practice. I practice eating well and I notice how much better I feel. And I mean, having you in my life these last four years and having these conversations every week when we're on the trampoline or working out or whatever we're doing, 
and, and I can breathe better now so I can actually talk uh, <clears throat> while we're working out has been an amazing motivator and like building that subculture of people who are eating healthy and people who have healthy recipes to share and all of that kind of stuff. It's like a supportive environment that makes all of this stuff doable. Well, there you hit the nail on the head because account will support because I will listen, even though I've been in this industry for 30 years, like you can look at my bookshelf. I probably, I don't know. And I've gotten rid of a lot of books. There are so many books on health and menopause. I keep reading because it, what's the word reinforces that what I am doing is the right things for me to be doing. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've said this a thousand times, like exercise is non-negotiable. Lifting weights, non-negotiable. Using yes. my roller, non-negotiable. Getting my vegetables in, non-negotiable. Like there has to be some non-negotiable things in your life because they're just basics that we need where again, hundreds of years ago, we didn't have to, um, you know, uh, schedule exercise because we were out in the fields all day long right and lifestyle meant we had to exactly and now we're living in this 21st century our stone age brain hasn't got the memo um so it's still <laughs> living in that stone age time right and so we have to come up with even more skills plus our our lifestyle has changed so much that we can literally be lazy i was thinking of that movie wally you know when i saw that movie wally it's the one where they're all in in um, wheelchairs it's a cartoon for kids. It was out, I don't know, 10 years ago. They're all like in wheelchairs drinking sodas. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this That's is where we're headed. This is where we are. Like we're sitting down way too much. We're drinking way too much, many calories and we're eating too much food. And listen, I always say to people, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like that is your choice. And if you want something different, then you start to do something different, like but you're your not reasons. like your reasons, but you're not going to get to the top of the mountain on the weekend. Right. And I had to change that mindset. And it's the same thing, which I think has been really great to show people. And Nancy and I could talk for another four hours. So we're going <laughs> to wrap it up. But I think that is a really good example where you, 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 um, with your alcohol, it wasn't like, you know, it, it, like done. I, somebody said something to me, I finished. And some people can do that. And, and, you know, Nancy's not an alcoholic or anything, you know, it's just, she likes to drink and you were noticing the effects more. Right. So mm -hmm. it's just like, it's not like a total serious problem, but, um, uh, you, even, you went through the process of climbing up the mountain. I don't even think of it as a, problem. no, it wasn't a problem. It I was, take that back. No, but it's a, it's a choice. Like, a choice. do I like why I'm doing this? Mm -hmm. Do I like the effects of it? No. So why am I continuing to do it? With drinking in particular and eating sugar and eating, like eating foods and stuff, there's so much social know, pressure, right? Oh, have some, have some. And I was one of the worst offenders. I, if I have people in my house, I want to provide them what they want, mm -hmm. right? And people love sugar. Like it's a, it's a brain it, pleasure. We've done, you know, yeah, a lot kind of, of yeah. Our, our but, bodies seek, our brain actually seeks sugar out. So yes, because we didn't use 200 years ago, we didn't have those sources. And like you said, our prehistoric brain doesn't have our, the memo. Our stone age <laughs> brain didn't get the memo that, you know, sugar used to be like, oh my God, I just found some berries in a bush. It's been six months since I had them. I'm going to eat them all up. Now they're everywhere all day. And it's, our food has been so many, so, so altered. It's insane. Did you know that one of, so one of the largest um, psychiatric practices in the States many years ago, Dr. David Hawkins, um, in his practice, when someone reached out to come and have an appointment with him, 
the first thing before they even had the appointment, he told them to stop eating sugar mm-hmm. immediately. And they would see him two or three weeks later or one of, and the um, 50% of people, their psychiatric problems had resolved yeah. from simply not eating sugar. Yeah. So it's not a substance that our bodies are really well designed to handle. And we're just getting so much. We're getting, it's everywhere. You know, a simple example is um, if you take, I'm just going to make up this cereal. So I can't remember. (laughs) I can't remember that. I'm just going to say it's cornflakes, but actually I'm going to call it Tanya Flake. Okay. It's Tanya Flake. And in, in the 1970s, my cereal box of Tanya Flake had zero grams of sugar. Okay. But then we're doing my research because I'm paying millions of dollars because I want to sell more Tanya flakes. And so I'm like, Ooh, you know what, you know, what makes people eat more sugar. So I'm going to add sugar to my Tanya flakes. And this is what has happened to our, our food products over the years is more and more sugars are being added because it lights up your brain like a pinball machine and it makes it harder to stop. And again, I think when you understand that, you realize there's nothing wrong with you, right? That this is what they're they're spending billions, I'm spending billions of dollars on Tanya Flakes so that you you eat them, you eat them. And um, once you know that, you can go, okay, I'm not crazy. How can I start to do things? And I'll, for any moms listening out there or grandparents, Honey Nut Cheerios are actually the, one of the top cereals out there. And I fell into the trap. I wish I had kids. I'm sure every parent out there would love a redo sometimes, maybe not the whole childhood process, but definitely things. I I did what I knew how to do. And that's another thing you have to remember. At the time, with the knowledge that we have of where we are in life, you did what you knew how to do. But I remember with my kids, like I, I knew not to give them certain things, but then you fall into the habit and I would buy Cheerios. Right. And then I'd be like, oh, it's kind of fun to buy honey nut Cheerios. And then I was like, what am I doing? And then what I started to do was mix half and half and then three quarters and a quarter. And then eventually got them off the honey nut Cheerios again. Right. But I didn't do it overnight. I did a very gradual process. So again, it's it's this process. Because you're so skilled at not putting people into pain mm. and injury, right? That that whole thing when I started working out with you was oh it doesn't have to hurt mm. which made me want to do right. it more because we the, don't uh, want pain everybody so if something's painful you're not going to continue doing it exactly yeah. and that's why when I started working out with you it was different than anything I had ever experienced before because I'd had personal trainers before mm-hmm. um, you have a unique amazing skill set I'm so glad mm-hmm. I found you one of the things you said a moment ago reminded me that it's so important to remember that our brains are working exactly the way they were designed. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with us. My desire for alcohol got amped up by all of the environmental things, right? So I use that brain to actually be like a detective and mm-hmm. figure it all out. Mm-hmm. So I love it when my words come back. Small changes <laughs> over, over time, done consistently. Consistency. Yeah, consistency. Oh, we're going to need to make up a, a, yeah. a jingle now. Yeah. So everybody go out there and buy your Tanya flakes. <laughs> okay, everybody, we're going to wrap this up. I think we talked about dementia. No, we did. We gave you some concrete clues or uh, tips. Move your body. Come on, everybody. Move the gorgeous body that you have. You know, if you find that you are having some negative effects of alcohol, then just start to experiment. That's all. Have fun with the process. You can see we actually have a lot of fun. Have fun with the process. 
And then maybe look at your sugar intake because alcohol and sugar are very similar. Again, make some choices and get out with your friends, like have some laughs, right? Get yourself moving. And one of the things that I know is that one reason we tend to uh, gravitate towards sugar is because of pleasure. And so I, I, uh, what's the word I'm going to say? I want you to experiment. That's not what I wanted to say, but with finding ways to get more pleasure in your life besides eating and drinking. There you go. Okay. Anything else you'd like to say? This was really, really fun. Oh, good. We'll it do it again. felt like being on the trampoline. <laughs> I know. Maybe we, uh, you know what? We would have done, we're going to bounce here for a second. Yeah. We would have done one on the trampoline, but uh, I, I don't think the recording would have been very good. It's so cute. I wish we could take a picture. Uh, we we're just so like cozied up beside this mic. It's actually hilarious. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, you know what? We'll be back. Enjoy your day, your night, whenever you're listening to this. And we'll catch you later.